Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And as always, thanks for listening. So, there is one topic that I've been looking at. And it's a very sensitive topic. And it has to do with cherry-picking Paul's writings, Paul's letters. Now, what do I mean by cherry-picking? That's, that's an old term. Basically, cherries grow on a cherry tree, not on a bush, not in the ground, on a tree. And when they collect them, you know, they you look at them and you're... In the old days, you'd look and find the really nice round ones and you'd pop those off and pop them in the basket and then this one maybe not so round and so you'd go to the next one and you'd hand pick, select the ones you wanted. Now, um, sometimes, biblically speaking, that can happen with Scripture. And because the scripture doesn't match what's going on in today's society, in the world, then there's one of two things that we do. Uh, Actually, three. The first one is, man, I don't care. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm not going to do it. Never mind. That's number one. Number two is, wow, okay, so how can I maybe apply that to myself? I mean, it was written a long time ago, but I wonder how I can apply that. And number three is, (laughs) number three is the one we're going to think, we're going to talk a little bit about, and that has to do with the the cherry-picking aspect I was saying. It's basically, did God really say that? Did Paul really say that? Is that what he means? Or maybe, yeah, well, he said that, but that's then, and this is now, and this is all different. So, let me throw some ideas this way. There's been some theologians that I've been listening to, and, and, and I've run across, and this is not a new thing, um, theologians that get to a place in their study where they feel like, yeah, you know, I got a handle on Paul. I got this. I've got him figured out. So, yeah, he meant us, he meant to, he meant for them to do that, but not this. And this works now, but that doesn't work now. And their hand and they handpicked stuff out of Paul. Now, well, so what's the complication with doing that? What's the complication? Because because when they do that, they say, well, that's context. And everyone wants to use context. And you've heard me say, look, I love context, all right? Context. Because if you don't have context, you got a pretext. And a pretext is pretending, like you know what's going on. However, 
there's uh, there's some danger involved. All right, there's some danger involved. First thing I'm going to say is, um, in relation to Paul, is we have to understand is he's coming from a Jewish frame of mind. Period. He is. He's Jewish. He never thought of himself as being anything but Jewish. And he didn't never stopped being Jewish, ever. He loved the Jewish Lord, Jesus. He had a relationship with Jesus, a Jewish Lord. The Lord of the universe. So, in that process... Um, Paul was Jewish and there are a lot of people that argue on that okay they go back and forth well I don't know he was really Greek he had a lot of Greek stuff in him and stuff like that and yes he understood Greek and he understood a lot about Greek he, and, and he was born a Roman citizen yes, and, yes I understand but here's the thing he was Jewish now second thing with Paul is this when Paul writes a letter It is a specific letter to a church with a specific problem. It's not meant necessarily, some of his stuff is, but not meant necessarily, all of his letters, to be put on the wall in the public forum. You know, hey, this is my letter to the city. Go ahead and put it up there and let everybody in the city read it. He's writing to a group of people, a group of believers normally. Believers. He's writing to believers. And most of the time, these are believers who are basically utterly screwed up. They have a ton of issues, and he's trying to work with them and get it straightened out. Okay? So he's a pastor writing letters for a specific purpose. No. With that being said, um, I'm going to give you an example, though, of a situation that many theologians grab, and, and they grab the idea behind it, and they say, Ah! Yeah! Um... See, this is Paul saying it's okay to do something else. All right, so no, so let me clarify. What am I talking about? First of all, we're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's go ahead and look at uh, verse 10. Now, this is a very sensitive topic, all right? And... At this point, uh, I'm not going to dive off into um, what I think Paul is saying or not saying about th- this issue, which is divorce. All right. Uh, however, this is like one of the primary things that many theologians of both conservative and liberal and moderate processes take to and use to to prove a point. 
All right. I'm going to just hold it up here for a moment so that we can look at the thought process, not his specific issue with this issue. All right. So, in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 7.10, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying, to the married, I give this charge, parentheses, not I, but the Lord, in parentheses. The wife should not separate from her husband. Verse 11, parentheses, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, in parentheses, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Verse 12, to the rest, I say, parentheses, I, not the Lord, in parentheses, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. All right. So you heard me say parentheses in there. All right. These are these are asides kind of thing. All right. But but here's what's significant. At least this is the thought behind it, and that is this. In verse 10, you, you have this issue where it says, Paul is saying, not I, but the Lord. So he's saying, this is a command from Jesus. This is a command from Jesus. End of story. All right? Now, verse 12, he says something a little different. When he says, to the rest, I say, and then parentheses, I... Not the Lord, in parentheses. So you see, on one of them, he's saying, okay, this came straight from Jesus. This is like stone, all right? And then the other one he's saying, he's making a contrast. He's saying, this is my opinion, not the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second, because now I think you see, so... On one hand, it says, okay, this is from Jesus. And on the other hand, it says, okay, well, this is my opinion. So it almost sounds like, hey, you know, well, if it's Paul's opinion, I can just chuck it. <laughs> you know, I can set that over there. You know, I'm a believer. He's a believer. And set it over there. You know, and, and I may not have to worry about it. Okay? Now, here's the reason why that thought process. Because there are theologians that believe they have studied Paul enough to where they know Paul better than the, than what than the scripture all right they've got the background they've got the knowledge of greek of hebrew they've got the whole ball of wax all right here's why here's why that is really really scary and 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 and, and here's here's why i say that number one is now i've already mentioned some things but number one is that peter said that Paul's writings are scripture. And he goes on to clarify that some people have taken his writings and didn't understand them too great and to their own destruction. Okay? But Peter, Peter said Paul's writings are scripture. All right. Which means you go 
toying with that, and there is, and that means you're you're playing with a landmine. All right. Teachers have a higher responsibility personally, and I take that to mean God will take it out of your hide. He'll personally lay it on you, some discipline that you're not going to like if you toy with his word. And yes, I do believe the Bible is the word of God. So here's the thing. Um, before you set stuff on the shelf and say, eh, yeah, that, that's then, this is now, let me throw this at you. And this is an opinion, okay? Right? An opinion. Even though context may focus on something that happened several, I mean, hundreds of years ago, all right? People are people. Humans are humans. That being the case, it's very important to understand that that there are some underlying principles that Paul has put in his words in his in his letters that he's trying to get across very important underlying principles what is that in this situation as far as he's talking about marriage and so forth he's trying to focus on reconciliation why because that's jesus jesus is all about reconciling uh the world to God, and that means bringing those two those two you know group A and group B, God and and the world together, and getting them in a position where they can love each other and respect each you know, and um, and of course uh, the reconciliation part of it uh, really is like 100% God and then what we can bring to the table. But it's all about reconciliation. Reconciliation uh, doesn't always happen. Now, you you, you might say, well, what do you mean by that? Reconciliation always happens. Uh, if it was 100%, then guess what would happen? Everyone would be going to heaven to be with Jesus. The Bible is very specific in the fact that that ain't going to happen. Because, I mean, Jesus talks about it, Revelation talks about it, there's going to be people who do not make it because they choose their own way. And God allows us to do that. So, when you're reading Paul and you run into something and you're thinking, oh man, that just goes sideways. Look at the underlying principle he's trying to get at. 
the underlying principle he's trying to get at. Reconciliation is, is in, in this particular instance, in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, I believe that's what he's trying to get at, that if at all possible, and, and by the way, he's not saying it's easy. That's not the easy way. And it, and, and it may not be possible. And I'm not going to dive off into, into commentary on that on my end. Boy, I'm tempted to, but no. Uh, what I'm going to say is, is that there is an underlying principle that, that remains, and that is that its focus is reconciliation. And Corinthians, that church, they had so many crazy things going on. There was chaos going on in that church. And there were factions and groups and infighting and and people doing crazy kind of sin stuff. And Paul is really trying to get this group to get under the command of the Lord Jesus, follow his word, and, and then be one unit, reconcile with each other. But in this situation, in marriage, I believe the rule Paul is focusing on is reconciliation. If at all, I mean, you run reconciliation to the rails until you just can't. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna make one little comment quip here, and it's just a thought. All right. But I'm thinking this. You got a husband in this situation and he don't want to reconcile and and he's abusive and he's a real jerk. He's probably going to be cheating on his wife. Maybe. Because selfish dudes like that who only think of themselves and who don't treat their wives with respect and they're only focused on themselves, all they want is what they want. And that means they're probably going to be focused on meeting their little carnal needs. And that means they're going to be probably cheating on their wife. The minute they cheat, then Jesus said, your marriage is over. (laughs) Because Jesus said, look, that's it. But if there's hope, Paul wants them to pursue it. Any hope. And God is hope. That's where it comes from. So anyhow, that's just a thought. But let's get back to the main thing, and that is this. I believe that Paul wrote what he wrote, and it stands. What we have to do, and what teachers should do, and what scholars are supposed to be doing, is finding out how we can take what his thought process is and bring it into today. And bring it into today. Because that is not only serves a spirit of the living God, which is who Paul was serving, but it treats Paul with the respect he's due. I think. Now, that being said, 
I want to encourage people to read and study and think. You can't just, I mean, you can read these books, you know, but if you're going to get get into it, you really have to study, study, which means you're, to study, study, you need to go beyond and look at the context. Please look at the history. Please look at the Jewish culture. Please look at the Jewish language. Look at all these things when you're going into this stuff. I would that everyone would be a biblical scholar. Every believer on the planet. Keep your pastor absolutely on their freaking toes. Make them the, force them to be the smartest person in the room because you're smart. Because you're the scholar. That doesn't mean you're a jerk to the pastor. That just means that when that pastor comes out and gives a sermon, he understands uh, game on. Game on, baby. You better be read up, prayed up, let the spirit out, and get going. That's the thing. Make your pastor do that. Don't let them coast. And for crying out loud, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off into stuff. But anyway, I want to encourage you, though. I want to encourage you to keep on always speaking it on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. As always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless.